0: Funny how secrets travel I start to believe If I wasn't me Things guide a man
1: Chains his hands held high cruise beyond Cruise me, babe and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. Uh, Richard can't be with us uh, today, uh, but Mark Fuller is, uh, and I'm very pleased to be able to talk to him today. Uh, Mark is uh, a figure uh, in the world of silent cinema, uh, uh, known throughout the UK, really. Uh, And he's also uh, here at Cinema Rediscovered 2022, doing two guided tours of of Bristol in relation uh, to a history of cinema. Uh, And I want very much to talk to Mark about this, because this sense of a local interest uh, in uh, and its relation to a history of cinema is something that has made a very big impression on me, particularly uh, in the recent uh, Wonderland exhibition uh, at the Birmingham uh, Museum uh, and Art Galleries. Um, So, uh, very pleased to have you here with us, uh, uh, Mark. So, hello Mark. (laughs) Hello. Now, do you want to tell me a little bit about film going in Bristol, like right from the very beginning? When was the first film
0: screened in Bristol? A slightly complicated answer to that very straightforward question. Bristol, being a major city with lots of public halls, was very popular uh, with showmen um, from the early 19th century and giving their spectacles to uh, an audience and the Bristol audience lapped it up. So. Although it's not film as such, moving pictures in the loosest possible terms, it goes back in Bristol way before the invention of cinema. Um, One of the regular visitors here was Paul's Miriorama. What is Miriorama? Well, um, (laughs) the Miriorama is, um, try and describe it, you imagine a theatrical backdrop, huge, immense canvas painting. But a scroll, so it could move, it would move in one direction only as a scroll, but um, it would also involve the showing of this um, panoramic scene, it could be a a naval battle or a, a geographical panorama, but it would have a narrative, and as the narrative moved on, the scroll would shift from both sides, it's always full screen, for want of a better word, and, um, and a narrator or a lecturer would inform the public as a new bit hove interview. There would be music, there would be lighting effects and sound effects. It would look to all intents and purposes like um, a painted film. Mm-hmm. Um, so when proper cinema as it were, inverted commerce came along. In terms of visual impact, it wasn't that surprising to Victorian audience. After that, um, 1889 or so, um, had Edward Muybridge, um, the um, British um, photographer famous for working in California, who um, famously rigged up uh, a line of cameras to uh, document the motion of a horse. Well, by the 1890s, he had invented, or had co-opted, a device called the Zurapractoscope uh-huh. And this projected um, a series of uh, drawings based on his photographs onto a large screen from a glass disc um, using a magic lantern and again, to all intents and purposes, it's moving pictures. It's not actually a photograph itself, it's not a strip of film as such, but again, mm. the main ingredient is already there. Mm-hmm. And the my bridge
1: show here in Bristol.
0: Um, yes, he showed up in uh, Clifton College, I think it was initially, um, he showed again in the Victoria rooms and a year later um, what, is, what was then the Colston Hall, so yes, it was um, th- at least three times that I know.
1: Fascinating, so you know Bristol and cinema from its very beginnings really?
0: Um, before it's beginning. So before it's beginning. So. <laughs> and then there was the uh, kinetoscope, uh, which was the uh, peep hole predecessor. Before they'd worked out how to project films mm-hmm. and such, uh, you would um, pay your money uh, to actually look in a box and see a film strip whiz by, uh-huh. forty six frames a second. Right. So they hadn't. Uh, he hadn't worked out the intermittent motion uh, particularly well. Uh, Mr. Edison that uh-huh. is him. Um, so it was, done, it was illuminated for your sight by a flickering light bulb, to all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that arrived January 1895, a local optician had three of these machines in right. um, the front of his shop in Park Street uh-huh. um, for, let's say, three months. Right. And then they they went back, they were sold off. but. A year later, we had proper films, so as it were, being projected. So what was
1: the first film, or when was the first film, and when and
0: where was the first film projected? Uh, in Bristol. Bristol? Um, it was the first, 8th of June, 1896. Uh-huh. Um, a chap called Augustus Rosenberg, is a, a German um, immigrant, um, based in Newcastle, still a very young man, 21. Um, but he started to tour uh, films uh, with a projector he'd built, designed, and would patent himself. Um, and that was at the uh, New Tivoli, which was a musical down a uh, musical down a broadway. How how
1: how uh, common were these self-invented projecting projector systems? In, in eighteen
0: ninety-six, it seems like everybody was having a go. Hmm. Um, the principle had been demonstrated by R.W. Paul up in London and the uh, Lumiere's in, in Paris. Uh, Edison had been trying and failing in America. The um, Latham, it's the was a, a bit of a, a brief hit in New York. Mm. So, um, uh, I forgot the name of the uh, guy in Germany. Everybody was at it. Right, Everybody, right. as soon as the taking of film had become uh, a possibility, everyone knew that the financial model that would work was projecting it in a hall. Uh-huh. And this came to Bristol quite quickly. Um, yes, June '90. As I say, uh, in March '96, it was still um, the sort of thing you would see only at photographic clubs and scientific. Mm. Uh, institutions. In, um, I think they started getting public screenings March, April 96 up in London. Mm. June 96 is in, in Bristol. Right. So yeah. really early. Yeah. Really, really yeah. early. Yeah. Um, and from there, as I say, what was also unusual about that first screening was that uh, it wasn't part of a musical program. The musical manager cleared the decks. It was a Purely film and show for that first mm. week, anyway, four times daily, mm. nothing else. When did
1: cinema become uh, a popular um, uh, uh, leisure activity
0: in Bristol? In Bristol, um, straight away. No, I mean all, all the reviews of the, the shows in '96. They all did gangbusters in terms of business. Mm. Um, R.W. Paul's Theatrograph came to um, the People's Palace Music Hall in October that year, mm. um, played for a total, of six or eight weeks in, in spells. I can't even really look back. Um, quite it was extraordinary. Big hit. Big hit.
1: It's quite extraordinary to go from something that is shown to scientists and, and chemist shops to you know something that someone working in a factory could just go see for fun, yeah? Yes. Um,
0: well, factories... That took a little longer uh-huh. uh, for it to become cheap enough. Uh-huh. Um, the venues to be... But, but typically it was very much um, a, a popular musical. Um, certainly at the, um, the Opticians Tuesdays, the price of seeing a 40-second mm. film was toughened. Uh-huh. Um, which was the price of a pint of cider. Right. So, not really for um, honest um, sons of toil, mm. but a more yes. gentry thing. But they ser- certainly for a, a night out on the weekend, they could afford the Tivoli, um, right. People's Palace, more than likely. Mm. Um, so yes, popular very very early on. What are you going to
1: highlight in your tours from this period?
0: Um, couple of personalities Mm. Um, because as well as uh, consuming um, there's an awful awful lot of activity in the production Uh very early oh that's that's surprising because one doesn't associate Bristol with production not that early certainly Um, more recently very much so Mm. Um, but in By 1901, there were at least three sets of people making their own films and showing their own films in Bristol. Mm -hmm. One of them uh, was Charles Gascoigne, Mm -hmm. who was the manager of the People's Palace. Um, By 1900, he was making his own films and employing himself as an act in his own uh, musical and touring Mm -hmm. um, uh, all over the country with his... um, Biosphere, that was mm. the word, as, as an act. Um, the unsung heroes in film, early film, I think, because I've not yeah. read anything about their contribution, opticians. Wrong. I've already mentioned Alfred Thomas up in Park Street. Um, on the centre, within a stone's throw of the current hippodrome, were two opticians. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunskins, M.W. Dunskins, and Husbands and Sons. Mm. We literally smackobs at each other. And opticians, we think, specsavers. Yes. However, they're on the dock side there, or were then. That was the dockside. side. And as well as doing glasses, they uh, sold and made scientific instruments and navi- navigation. Sure. So, quadrant sextants, barometers, well. If you're doing that, it's very easy to get into uh, making photographic stuff, mm. and from there magic lands and things. So, and that's what happened to both of them. Mm. So by the 1890s, they're getting very interested in moving pictures, of course mm. they are. Um, so by the late 1890s, both of them are uh, doing sort of charity shows, film shows, all one-off engagements um, in and around Bristol um, by 1900 1901, both of them are making their own films. Yeah.
1: That's incredible you know because one of the things that surprises me about your account is we tend to associate the speed of communication with the internet with Twitter yeah that, you know you, you do something and it you know goes all over the place really quickly. But actually this indicates that, you know, information moved surprisingly quickly in the 1890s oh, yes. as well. Oh, yes. right? And I imagine, would Bristol being a port city have anything to do with that? Or was it just the telegraph and, the, you know, what newspapers? Was,
0: um, well, newspapers are one thing, the telegraph is another, certainly played their part. But more than the sea, what really um, did it was the railway links. For instance, In 1982, um, one of the great touring um, cinema companies, North American Animated Photo Company, Mm -hmm. um, was uh, in the middle of a multi-week engagement at what was then the Colson Hall. Um, And as was common practice with all these showmen, um, they uh, commissioned uh, a company to come and take local films to be shown as part of the engagement, to get more bonds and seats. Mm. Obviously, you've got local films that you're more likely to want to go and see them. And and again, this was um, part of a a cinema-only programme, not Mm. part of a variety show. So, um, down from Blackburn by train, come uh, Michelin Kenyan crew, Mm. um, take their films of, um, for example, um, a Boer War General unveiling war memorial at the church mm. over there mm. or doing a panorama of the River Avon sort mm. of from Hotwells which is more or less where the River Avon navigably start mm. up to Shirehampton which is like the River Mouth mm. go back in the train probably that, that night mm. presumably develop it overnight send the developed prints down by train the next day, mm. ready to be shown the day after they were taken. Mm. That was the speed. I mean that's your turnaround in this podcast. Yes. Extraordinary
1: I mean, things. Yeah. Um, I want to shift the discussion a little bit mm. because
0: we've we only got as far as nineteen oh two. We've <laughs> only got as far
1: as nineteen oh two. And I actually, you know, want to get to that period around the war, mm-hmm. yeah, like maybe just from before to just after. Yeah. You know, where you're already showing, like um, you know, not just the Chaplin you know, medium-length films and so on, but actually beginning to get kind of feature-length, yeah, three reel. Uh,
0: okay. films F- First World War, we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, um, the 1910s were an absolute boom time mm. for the building of the cinemas. Um, they film shows had gone from being musical acts um, and or showmen renting public halls for uh, weeks staying also uh funfair mm. uh projecting yes, cinemas as well yeah. so actual permanent buildings uh, long-term leases town halls uh in bristol's case local gymnasium um, and into purpose-built cinema which right. um, the first ones hit bristol in early 1910 and it was absolute Gold Rush. Sure. They were being slapped up everywhere yeah. in, in
1: Bristol. Um, Do you have any idea how many cinemas Bristol had at that, oh, that time? I, w-
0: I would have to count them up, but dozens already. Mm. Right. Not just in the sense, but out of every suburb mm. um, had one or was going to get one, mm. certainly by the time of the First World War. Right. Um mixture of converted uh, halls and purpose-built. Um, but. With all this increased competition, the inevitable happened, uh, and was already happening before the First World War hit. Um, they were going out of business with too much competition. People right. had overreached themselves. Sure. Um, and of course, with the First World War, an awful, awfully big uh, chunk of the population was in France and elsewhere. Um, in terms of operating the cinemas, a, a lot of women uh, took those roles, um, if they were getting called up, um, but a chunk of the audience had gone, so added pressures. Um, but those that survived, survived well, the 1920s, another little bit of a boom and another building cycle. Um, was, the, was the
1: 20s... Some people have argued that the 20s was really the apex of cinema in the sense that, you know, you had the biggest theaters, right, with, you know, per capita the biggest audiences, mm-hmm. right, you had all the movie palaces and so on, you know, and then kind of, you know, that kind of persisted, mm-hmm. you know, until just after World War II, but really that the
0: apex was in the 20s. Would, would you... I would certainly tend to uh, argue that in terms of the film art, there was a huge peak in the late 20s, mm. as there was again in um, the late 30s and during the war in this country at least. Um, but in terms of cinema going, the, the biggest audiences that we know of, and records are a little mm. dodgy and sketchy, and there's a lot of interpolation to be made, um, seems to be in. The yeah. latter years of World War Two. Um, in America,
1: it's in terms of film-going numbers. I think it's 46, 47, 48, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds
0: about you right know. for Britain um, as
1: well. But they never say as a percentage of yeah, yeah. per well, capita. Per ca- ha- that, that's right. an interesting point. Um, yeah. You know, because I would imagine that the population would be considerably larger, like hmm. 46, 47, 48, than say 26, yeah.
0: 27, 28. Yeah.
1: Don't know. Right. Don't know so uh and certainly all those big movie palaces and so mm-hmm. on were, many of them were really built in the 20s yeah there would continued building but the really huge ones in 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 canada at least mm-hmm. by the 20s they were there and they remained there mm-hmm. but
0: then Diminishing as the years went by, yeah, kind of. We did, we did have some big ones by the twenties, but all oh, the biggest ones in Bristol were actually like uh, mid to late thirties. Oh right, okay. And we're talking some real behemoths, you know, some two and a half thousand seats. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 One of which you have seen. Yeah, 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 I remember you taking me there. Um, so what were
1: like the big movie palaces here in the twenties, and then maybe you know. Tell me more about the boom in the in, in the thirties.
0: Okay, the the big ones in the twenties. Um, as I said, the current everyman, which uh-huh. is the White Lady's Road Picture House, built in twenty one. Um, that that was quite chunky. Um, With then going down into the centre. I'm trying to remember when Regent was built, that was um, quite a big one. No, sorry, Regent was a small one. Gem, Gem was a small one, Regent was a big one. Sorry, the two mm. cinemas opposite each other. Regent was a big one, but that wasn't um, built until the early 30s. No, it was 28, big problem. Mm. So 28, that was a uh, 2,300 seats, I think, mm. off the top of my head. Mm. Wish i brought my notes. Um, um but sadly what happens with the big twenties palaces, what happened to and a lot of the small ones as well, was nineteen forty it happened to no. and the Bristol Blitz Worst. and we lost no. six, seven, eight in the centre, just in the right, centre right, of town. Right. in one night.
1: Were those rebuilt subsequently?
0: Some were, some weren't. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason it wasn't, it was a shell. Mm. Um, it was something like the 1950s before we got around pulling it down. Mm. Um, but uh, no, it's mm. Despite being the wall still standing, there's nothing left of it. Um, and cinemas, the big cinemas, were already struggling by that point. Yeah. Um, So it was never rebuilt, never recommissioned. There's a wonderful exhibition on uh,
1: uh, cinemas in Birmingham, Mm -hmm. at the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery, which, if you can, you should make an effort to see. I'd love to. Because I think you could do something at least as brilliant here for Bristol. But it's a history of film and film going in Birmingham. Mm And at the center of it, they have this fantastic display where you touch a button and it highlights all the cinemas in Birmingham in the teens, then another one in the 40s, mm. and then you know another one in the 80s, and another one now, you know, and of course, so you see, yeah, they, they in a
0: very visceral way. We haven't got a uh, permanent display like that, but there is a very, very good website. Um, Bristol Cinema Treasures, I think, off the top of my head, that uh, Charlotte Edwards has uh, put together at, uh, from um, University of Western England uh, with uh, various other people. Very, very good website. Mm. Uh, it's basically a, a map of Bristol with um, the cinemas through the 80s, highlights, and you click on one, it gives you a potted of history. Um, photographs, um, personal histories, yeah. Uh, terrific on cup football box. So that's very
1: really good. The Birmingham exhibition is so uh, so beautiful because you know you 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 get a feeling of local people's investments mm. in the history of that cinema, of seeing themselves represented either through being filmed at parades, graduations, yep. whatever but also out of having participated out of you know, my first date was seeing Casablanca or mm-hmm. I worked at the Odeon, you know, and met my husband there, or these were the uniforms that we wore as ushers. Like so so the history of cinema is like completely interlinked mm. to people's lived histories, yeah, they're effective yes. Kind of histories and it's very beautiful to see because normally when you read about this stuff you only read about oh london paris new york right yeah. you know what cinemas were like yeah in the major metropolitan centers but you don't read about anything locally and of course as soon as you begin to look the stories are just as rich just as complex Absolutely. just as emotional as anything you get anywhere else well, right?
0: my my next research project is something of should have already started but i kind of got uh, sidetracked by these sorts i think um i used to run veggie shops as you know yeah yeah um one of my veteran customers um, <coughs> the name of dennis mm. um before i left um, i asked to borrow his diary yeah uh-huh. because um when dennis was a schoolboy, boy 14 15 he went to the cinema two three four times a week <laughs> yeah funded by his um, butchers' round on wow. his bush bike um, helped by the fact that during the war his school kept getting bombed out and at the back of his diary which is full of war news and so on um, at the back is basically a spreadsheet of what film he saw when wow. uh, what he thought of it one word reviews um, it doesn't say which cinema in that's going to be the thing mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. through the what was showing on when and working out where he was travelling in and around Bristol. No. no his... Um, that won't be hinterland. difficult to look at with some these things. Yeah. But I'd like to still do it. Well, yeah. Dennis is still with us to talk about. I think he's 93 last I heard. Yeah. Wonderful man, sharp as a pin. loves his Talking Pictures TV channel. Yes.
1: You um, should film him
0: while you can. Um, I've, I've tried to persuade him mm. that uh, he's... Um, he's a little reticent on that but I have his diary but um, no absolutely he's a source of stories
1: I want to rush you a little bit of course because I want to you know get talking about your walking tours and Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some of what I see as the highlights in a way, so we have to mention Cary Grant. Yes. So, is he going to figure you with to show where he was born? and. <laughs> um, he's
0: a little out in the suburbs, uh-huh. sadly, but uh, his first taste of showbiz was at the Hippodrome. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of his first visit backstage, um, his um, science teacher, mm-hmm. bizarrely, um, moonlit, almost literally, as a lighting engineer at the Hippodrome. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been oh. about 1917. He visited his science teacher backstage at the Hippodrome and uh, according to his own account um, became obsessed with the Hippodrome there and there and um, loved mm-hmm. the backstage milieu probably the dancing girls and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and Within a couple of years, uh, he was on stage as part of the uh, an acrobatic troupe. Right. And came back um, whenever he could to watch the, the famous pantomimes there, still, the pantos and the hippodrome, <laughs> yes. um, right up to the 1970s. Right, right, right. Um,
1: I think of Bristol as such a, you know, a film city in a way. I mean, you know, we're here at Cinema Rediscovered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it has the longest-running video shop in the country you know not also the world on the tour,
0: also on the tour please. yeah in his own
1: right. is it okay oh, cool. yeah well tell us a little bit about that actually because i want to do a whole podcast with them and yeah, i will at some point do, yeah
0: absolutely must uh, um it celebrates its 40th birthday um back in may um uh, it started off in the, uh, in the suburbs a bit in redfield uh then uh, about 40 years ago so that was the 80s um, I think from the mid to late 90s, it moved over to um, a little shop in Clifton. And about 10 years or so ago, it moved to Christmas Steps, which mm. is the current position, um, where it's had the space to open up a, a couple of screening rooms as yes. well. It's actually a hosting Vodas in my rediscover. It is, I purchased. noticed, yes. Um, and yes, it is still a video rental shop. It I love
1: that they have the face of the Betty Blue poster. You know,
0: as say it's, and it's still 20th century films, defiantly. Uh, yes. um, but it, as well as obviously Blu-rays and DVDs, it will still rent you a VHS mm. uh, if it's something that's unavailable elsewhere. Yes. And if you haven't got a player, I think they'll rent you that as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, it's a fantastic place. Yeah, so, yeah. And well, you're kind of partly responsible for it because Dave Taylor who has um, been running it now for some considerable years, you know well.
1: Yes, well, not not well. He's a former student and I'm really pleased to see him doing this. (laughs) I think it's a real labour of love and a labour of cinema. It absolutely is. And I I hope people support uh, uh, 20th Century Flicks as much as possible. Um, Now, what are the other highlights? So you're doing two walking tours and we've talked about quite a large spread of things, mm-hmm. but maybe if you can pick two or three highlights that you will be guiding people through in these tours uh, to, to wrap up our, our discussion.
0: OK, well, we will be covering all, in the, centre, all the existing old cinemas in, within the Centre of Bristol. Um, covering all the cinemas are no longer with us. Um, there are some surprising personalities. Um, the 1892 music hall, which is kind looks like it's still uh, there, kind of it isn't. Um, I think it's going to be of interest to people who are interested in cinema. Mm. There's one or two lo- one or two odd locations also. We're sort of taking in, there's a Ken Russell location, there's a Bob Dylan location, there's uh, um, some Outlaws. Uh, location, so it brings it literally up to last year.
1: I see this as a very romantic enterprise, you know, because I think one of the things about cinema is that in a way when you're watching cinema, you're already watching something spectral, ghostly, Mm. something dead, brought to
0: life through the light of the projector. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) And the talk about brought to life, we will be seeing uh, a film location which you see being destroyed Uh in the early 70s, still there, perfectly well. Uh Well I see you as
1: also kind of bringing up you know to life like these things oh, that are either absolutely. ghostly or they're not evident to the naked yeah. eye that you've got to kind of
0: well, you know bring um, them out. So long as it's absolutely pouring down the rain uh, I would be bringing laptop so there will be images of what was there right to help um, people visualize um, some of the size of these places like the, the old embassy cinema uh, mm. up in. Uh, the lower reaches of Clifton. Absolute behemoth of the place. <laughs> Nothing to see of it now. Um, and also Castle Green, which is, uh, sorry, Castle Park, which is a lovely green open space in the heart of Bristol, um, was created um, on the top of five or six entire blocks of late medieval mm. shopping streets that mm. all got lost in the war. But Hopefully I can say well this was there, that was there, and just hopefully reimagining the team and people. Hopefully also some film clips. So mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to play um, a clip from the surviving 1902 film of the sport where it's shot and is in terms of the buildings you see in the background mm-hmm. hasn't changed a bit. Mm-hmm. The people have. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up you know one
1: of the things that i've learned just from personal experience mm-hmm. is that everybody has their own cinema history right mm-hmm. like you know, so kind of you know if you talk to people of generation older than i in montreal they might have gone to the same cinemas but they they would look different or you know have uniforms or we didn't have or have hat stands but yeah. yeah so everybody has their own memories it's almost yes. like there are generational memories yes. of you know, the city and... Tri- mm. What are yours?
0: <laughs> um, well, I've only lived in Bristol about like, 35 years. Okay, um, well, 35 years ago when you came here. 35 in. years ago, um, I started coming here to the watershed around uh-huh. then. Um, I used to go to the Gaiety, which uh-huh. was a, uh, a cinema uh, up on the Wells Road. Sadly, that was pulled down about 1990. Mm. So in terms of lost cinemas, yes, I've seen a few. Um, but... Um, Yes, I went to see uh, films at uh, White Ladies Road um, before it had a a, a decade or so long hiatus. Um, Odeon I'm still a member of. Mm -hmm. So, yes, what is still active within Bristol is certainly part of my uh, film Mm -hmm. education, definitely. Uh, All right.
1: Um, Before we wrap up, can you remind our listeners uh, when are your
0: two talks and how they can book for them? How to book for them is through the Cinema Rediscovered uh, website. It's uh, part of the Watershed Bristol website. Um, maybe a spot's available. Mm-hmm. Um, they both start at uh, 9 o'clock. One on Saturday and one on Sunday. The um, Saturday one starts um, outside the current Everyman Mm -hmm. um, and will lead, finish down um, in Broadmead. The other one is slightly shorter, uh, somewhat more involved, but more of a maze of a walk, and it will start opposite Uh, Pizza Rover. Uh, in the bottom of Park Street and it will end up in Castle Park all things being equal I've got to finish by half ten in order to get people to their first film right. well
1: thank you very much Mark I will be there on the Sunday one so I look there forward to it excellent <laughs> love to seeing you this magic moment okay.
0: so different and so new was like any other until I met you And then it happened It took me by surprise I knew that
1: you felt it too. I could see it by the look in your eyes